Hello, everybody, and this is Benjamin Kitchings of the History Voyager. This is episode 71 with Amvish Apadye, and he's a journalist in India. He's a new journalist that is digital media, and he's going to tell us about journalism in India and also digital media and the digital revolution. Okay, so take it away, please. So... Hello, uh, Benjamin, and thank you for inviting me as a guest in your podcast. Yes, you're welcome. So tell us about uh, digital media in India. So here, I guess, uh, when we talk about a lot of things as journalism and what's the duty of a journalist, uh, uh, just to uh, tell you before I tell anything else is that in 2015, India ranked as 136 on uh, Press Freedom Index and in 2020 it is on 142. So in the US, we ideally talk about the fact that we have to get higher and higher in the ranking. We somehow got lower and lower in the ranking and how it all happened. So when if amid all this chaos and all this, uh, what I guess say, all these bad things happening in there when we are somehow stopped from our rights and all. Digital media is something that uh, rises as a hope we can see too. Uh, we don't have censorship yet here in India on digital media. So a lot of alternatives that are credentials that are uh, worthy enough to deliver information to you uh, arises. We have better sources now. The best part about digital media is that you get uh, genuineness. You get it delivered really fast to you and it is uh, free from any biasness because earlier if we talk about traditional media setup, uh, they are somehow backed financially by big media corporate houses and these somehow stop you to deliver truth so digital media is something that is uh, a really important thing to look to and to believe okay now you had said earlier that you in fact you just said it that the digital media is not being censored. Is the traditional media being censored? Definitely. Uh, so see, there are two types of things. One, that they admit that they are censored. And the second thing is that uh, what happens behind the curtains. It is like uh, if I say that corporate house X is funding some news channel Y, then it is 100% sure that news channel Y will never show something that will harm the image of corporate house X. You can change that X with big political leaders who are funding something, big corporate houses who are funding the news channel. And just to tell you an example of how bad thing turns here is that I'm not going to name the news channel, but there was a national news channel who was banned for completely 48 hours for showing something that was uh, not up to the mark to make the government happy and they decided to ban it for 48 longer hours. 
Wow. And uh, I guess they can do that legally in India, or is that a legal situation they can do? No, no. Yeah, that was not legal, Benjamin. They just did it as some sort of what we can say, uh, a dictatorship. Yeah. All right. So I guess, so this was very disruptive uh, to the to the media landscape in India, correct? Mm. Yeah. Wow. All right. So let's let's uh, back up essentially. So you're in Lucknow, India, which is a, I guess, a, a major metropolitan area, or or not. Um, we are becoming a major metropolitan area because uh, one thing that we could uh, praise the current government now is that it decentralized their focus from already very popular and developed uh, cities like Delhi, like Mumbai, and they decided to improve a lot on sub-metropolitan areas like Lucknow and else so that we are getting a lot of things here in the city here in the other parts of the state and we are getting a lot of development out of the area that we're supposed to do earlier so Lucknow was already a cultural hub of the country it have a great diversity in talk about religion and talk about the culture and we have people from very different different uh, backgrounds we are known for our cuisine and a lot of things so yeah it is developing and i'm hoping that it will develop soon okay now when we say development uh, do we literally mean infrastructure like roads and power lines and that kind of thing or or what do we mean when we say development yeah definitely development means uh, in terms of infrastructure and the facilities the citizens are getting but uh, personally for me i also include uh, the mindset the mindset of the people living here uh, they are getting rid a lot of uh, things that were keeping them back like uh, not getting educated not getting uh, open mindset to different cultural backgrounds as well as they are focusing on different things like they now uh, look into global matters and a lot of things that can outshine Lucknow on international level not just on the national level are happening here in the city so I guess this is development in real me okay um, so you're painting a picture of a city that is rapidly entering the world stage uh, would you would you say that yes okay how old a city is Lucknow? Oh, so when we talk about India and Indian culture and everything related to India, old is a very new word to use because uh, the oldest I remember the I read it somewhere that the oldest written scripture that uh, ever got was Rigved, that is a Indian religious uh, content piece. Uh, the oldest city in the world is Banaras, that is in Uttar Pradesh, and so Lucknow is like uh, very very old. I can't tell you the right date, but I think uh, whenever you will ever ask something that do you know any old city, you should tell someone that it is Banaras in Lucknow. 
I mean, I've studied, I studied India in college and I'm aware of that in India. I mean, they, they go back thousands of years, I guess your, your country and your, your culture goes back thousands and thousands of years. So, but it's new. So Lucknow is new with the modernization, I guess the, the modernizing, the, the digital media, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that okay. is that is a really good point because uh, Lucknow, I could say that Lucknow is a city that uh, changed drastically with the people who came here. Like uh, it got its current identity from Mughals when Mughals invaded India. They like really liked the geography of Lucknow as a city and they improved Lucknow as their capital and as their main city a lot. So a lot of the cultural... Uh, the heritage that we have is influenced by Mughal culture. And now when we see the 21st century India in 21st century, it is changing drastically. So one thing is very sure that Lucknow is a city that changed drastically and improves a lot. Yeah, I mean, I guess the whole world is is rapidly um, rapidly changing getting into this uh, digital revolution. Uh, could you talk about, well, talk about that. Talk about the digital revolution uh, in your life and in your surrounding areas, that kind of thing. So how digital revolution impacted um, a lot of good ways and a lot of bad ways. It is always like balancing in both. Um, I will start from the bad way, how it impacted badly. Uh, recently, uh, Twitter trend, Twitter hashtag trended in India that said boys locker room, hashtag boys locker room. And it was like some boys were do sharing intimate pictures of girl on their Snapchat and that got viral. Someone uh, posted it on Twitter and they were like, how could boys do this thing? Later on, it was like that all was fake. So what happened is that when you are getting so much information that digital um, revolution gave to us the power of making the whole world as a global village uh, it somehow disturbed our mentality to analyze things and we are like exposed to so much of things we can't analyze it we feed it in our mind and we have to share it early like to sound cool so when and now, when I talk about like how to tackle it, we have a lot of things like fake news, uh, counter and all this stuff. The good things that happened with digital journalism, after all, we have to focus on the good things, is that we all are connected. Like, I can't suppose the same thing happening 100 years back. Like, when you uh, talked about a lot Spanish flu and all, uh, Benjamin, can you like really imagine the same thing happening 100 years back and uh, with the same result? Like even if we see that, yeah, a lot of people were infected, but digital revolution, digital media and stuff like this helped the government a lot to sustain things under control somehow. Somehow awaring people that don't go out, stay at your home, be safe, these, these, these other steps that can make sure that you are safe at your home. So these are the very uh, best ways. And we could say that internet and the digital revolution 
impacted every single human being. This was the invention that impacted us all on a great level. Yeah, I mean, when I did my deep dive into the Spanish flu, the thing that I really noticed was I noticed the parallels between COVID and the digital society and the Spanish flu and the industrial society. Like, the leaders hadn't really thought out in either case, really, the, you know, the, the social ramifications of either revolution on the people with disease. And I think, in fact, I personally am seeing that, you know, the digital revolution, I mean, COVID is basically a product to a certain extent of the digital revolution because, you know, you, all these people had to go to China because of the, like, because of the factories and because things like that. And they, they ended up bringing the disease back or, or whatever. And, um, yes, it was just funny how it was all connected. Um, or the, I guess the parallels. So, um, so you on, on balance, you think the digital revolution is good for India or is it more a, kind of a gray area good and bad thing um so i want to quote sri srinivasan uh, he was a former chief digital officer of new york city and i was interviewing him uh, for my podcast show and he said one thing that the worst part about introducing new things is that we don't tell people about how to use it before we introduce it so it is like we always introduce things first to get the credit and we forget to educate people about it. The same thing happened here in India with internet. In 1990s, when we introduced internet to India, we were not concerned to educate people enough to how to use it and uh, to make the most of it. So we are still figuring to how to get the most positive of internet. We are like, the biggest user of porn on internet we are like still get amazed by the fact that uh, hackers are good like all the negative things and we get scammed on internet and a lot of things basic necessity that is to get informed by internet and it is the easiest way out there we are not getting it right so what and now, 2020, the government is doing that they are uh, launching campaigns to train people. When the world is making the most of internet, India is launching campaign to train Indians to how to use it properly. So this is something that concerns us as a aware citizen, but as well as we are hopeful that sooner or later we will really make the most of internet. That's actually a really good insight that that man had that you know we're we're too like we're too busy making money to think about what well, we need to train somebody how to use this correctly or yeah even just use it at all i mean okay so with that in mind what do you see like where do you see this technology going uh so see uh, right now uh most of the things I was reading a very deep study on inventions. So 
So there's no doubt that internet is the most important discoveries of all time, invention of all time. And there was a data that if we see the all the invention that ever happened in human history, like from the time of discovery of wheels to now, the discovery of AI, it is like we discovered almost everything, like the 99% of things that the human mind can discover and it's only just 1%. So how the future will be? It will be like the extension of all the discoveries that happened. We are surely going to AI and AI will dominate uh, in all the fields. Even if I talk about my own field, journalism, how AI will be. The recent data that Facebook leaked was very crucial in how, how AI will work in future. It is like uh, a very customized set of advertisement as well as news, a very customized set of perspectives. So they will like uh, disseminate the whole information and if you are person X, I am person Y, they will uh, feed us with exact data, the propaganda, sorry. So it is. it will be really a uh, vulnerable state for us because we will be at the target point of every politician party, every political party, every business mind and... <laughs> what to do when uh, all things will be so customized and propagandized that you have to be very aware of. Yeah, so you think the um, we're going to be more inundated by ads and you called it propaganda, which I think is accurate, uh, but you think we're going to be more inundated by ads and propaganda do you, do you think we're going to adjust to this reality or not? We have to. Uh, humans have the history of adapting the survival of the fittest that Darwin said. So it is. it will uh, apply in the digital era as well. Uh, we have to. We see how much the political leaders influence us. They uh, launch slogans that rhyme. Uh, don't you observe on a very personal level? I know that uh, from 2016 onwards, US and India had a very similar political leadership. And the way they ran the country. So even if we see the business, how the business were doing, how the people were crying and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I think... I really do. I, I think the um, I think this country was kind of hit, kind of knocked flat by the, the technological revolution and also the, the, the psychological ramifications of it. Like I can remember as a child, um, the internet coming into our home. And it, at that point, it was a very localized, like, you know, you couldn't take it with you, you know, like it was sitting, it was essentially, it was in a, it was on a desktop in a room. You couldn't take it with you. And now it's ubiquitous and it's amazing. I was just telling somebody today, it's amazing how all these companies keep up with you and they, they know what you want more than you do basically. And you know, that's very, 
problematic, I guess, to say, to say the least. But I, I do kind of think that, you know, the average American just really doesn't have the the mindset yet to think critically about the information that they're that they're getting and what is the agenda behind this information kind of thing and um, when you were talking about your childhood and how was your uh, experience uh, using internet first time uh, i was getting nostalgia when i was hearing you uh, despite the fact that we are living thousand miles apart the experiences were same because we all were uh, quite new to internet and uh, that is really scary when you talk about the fact that when people are bombarding advertisements on you and they exactly know what you want to buy and why right. it's more scary is the fact that most of the times we end up buying things that we don't really need exactly i mean you're exactly right and one of the things that doing this podcast and interview not per se the podcast but interviewing the people that i'm totally struck by is like you and i are literally across the planet and here we are just basically having this conversation and i mean i think that's going to continue i think that's really going to pick up and continue and keep going and i don't know if we're ready to think about the the ramifications of this world where you can just have conversations with somebody across the planet like this hmm. and uh, thanks to technology for making it possible i want to say uh, a very important thing uh, is that when i was going through the podcast that you had and some of the very initial episodes that you did uh, discussing uh, the similarities between Spanish flu and COVID and the real situation of COVID on ground level. You all, you are watching all those things as an individual, as a guy who is really concerned about his future, the future of his society, the future of world. And what is the best outcome of that is the fact that when people of future will look back in history and they are looking for a real input a real data that episode will be a top notch and why it is because you are just being real you are just giving the raw the very important insight uh, not a glamorized yeah. version not a propagandized version and that is important that is uh, something no one was doing earlier Well, I mean, I actually, I mean, it's actually kind of weird. I actually know a lady. We went to college together um, who was one of the first people that realized that heart attacks were caused by COVID. Like, you could have a heart attack caused by COVID. And that changed the game to use an American colloquialism it it really broadened out like who could have covid and things like that it's you know was really scary at least initially um so you run a podcast um talk about that talk about how 
I mean, you you see it. I mean, I see it. I see this this medium is this is going to be this revolution, you know. Hmm. So talk about that running a podcast and what that's like. So amid the thousand things that turned bad during COVID, the one great thing that happened with me was the podcast. I was getting bored in my house and I decided to do something creative. I thought I have a great network of people around me who are really good at talking, at dropping some intellectual shit. Why not have some conversation with them? And one of the first guy that I was talking with, he was like, why don't you post it all? It is really great information piece and people will be really keen to watch it. And I was like, why not? So I started the Omway show. It was a eight episode podcast season. Uh, I was fortunate enough to interview some real regents like Dr. Lawrence M. Cross. He's an astrophysicist and even acted in some Hollywood movies. I interviewed Sri Srinivasan, who was a former New York chief digital officer. And I, on October 15, I interviewed Naum Chomsky and he was like very critical of Donald Trump and the elections uh, US was having. That's why I was really interested in US politics and a lot. So when I was interviewing a lot of people and getting different opinions about different things, it was like me becoming a better person and that is uh, doing a podcast is. So a guy who ran Asia's biggest film festival said the fact that, and even I believe it, is that voice technology, voice, the voice medium, uh, like radio, and uh, are the very first ones to get improved, to evolve. And they are the very first step where the invention happened. Like when we talk about how Uh, information was delivered. Uh, The first medium that was discovered after face-to-face was radio and was telephone, then videos happened. So voice was always at the frontier. So when we talk about now how AI will influence, now even uh, voice is at the frontier when we talk about Siri or Alexa. So podcast is something that we are... uh, very first time we are delivering long contents of half an hour, one and a half an hour and long, long content pieces and people are listening it. So even Joe Rogan signed a $100 million deal with Spotify. No one would, if I say the same thing a decade back that we have so much of future in podcasting, no one would believe it. Even podcasting was not that serious thing a decade ago. It's it's crazy to me that you're sitting in India and that you know who Joe Rogan is. I mean, that's, you, you know, that's crazy. It's, I mean, but you're right. Voice is always at the, at the front. And I guess it's because, well, mainly it's because voice is the, it's easier to carry voice in data packets than it is video. But it's also more kind of uh familiar like people are more familiar with voice and you can you can do things while you're listening to a podcast like you can exercise or or do housework or or whatever while you're listening to a podcast so it's flexible that way where video is more of a commitment yeah definitely uh very 
true point, Benjamin, because I was arguing with something about uh, what is better, video streaming or podcasting. And I was like, uh, in future, when people are becoming multitaskers, we intend to become uh, a person who can do multiple things at the same time. Podcasting is something that we are feeding our mind and we are driving, we are doing our exercise and stuff like that. Uh, it would surely help. And the second thing, the psychological factor that I always say to people is that it is like coming back to basics. It is Talk like, about the psychological... Th- I'm sorry. Talk about the psychological thing again. You cut out there. Yeah. The psychological factor I always say to people is that we are coming back to basics. We peoples, we humans are a very creative creature. We always want our imagination to fly high in the sky. And somehow when we see something as a video in video form, it binds our limit. It bound us to the screen and to the prefixed uh, video that we see, to the prefix graphics that we see. If we are seeing a red, sorry, if we are seeing a brown horse, it is a brown horse, nothing else. We can't imagine it as a unicorn. We can't imagine anything else. But when we are talking about podcasting, when we are listening a science thriller on a podcast episode, when we are listening to people talking, it is like I myself talking to someone else. It is very intimate moment. Intimate moment of intellectualism that I want to say. The imagination that we have, a real conversation with ourselves. Podcast is something like that. Yeah. Um that's that's right on. Okay. Um what do you hope for India's future? I hope the best and uh, nothing else. Uh, just to explain it a bit, I hope for a better leadership that could unite India because the whole concept of India was always about the Republic of India, nothing else. I hope for a better education because currently we are just focusing on the texts, on the books and not on the applicability of all these theories that we are reading for years and years and years. So I guess we should look forward to a more practical approach of learning. And the third and the last thing is that we always had the culture of welcoming people. Uh, there's a line in Hindi that means that is Atithi Devo Bhava that translate in English as guests are our gods. So we Indians always like to welcome people and I like uh, a lot of um, what can say uh, transformation sorry I don't get the particular word a lot of exchange of culture a lot of exchange of uh, knowledge yeah. should happen between the, the word and India these three things yes yeah that's um, that's right so can you can you talk to me a minute about why the Indian government uh, decided to change the press freedom from to make it more restrictive? Like, what was the reason? I guess it is. Uh, it's, it is uh, a very personal. It would turn into a very personal opinion, but still, I would prefer to say it is that. Uh, it is like they love to be in power. 
and to be in power you have to dissolute the questions arising at a very ground level uh, so okay. either still india as india is a democratic country still they want to tie some type of political monopoly so that if there's no opposition there is there will be no questions and when there will be no question they are they would be always right and when they would be always right they will always be in power yeah have you have you ever have you okay have you heard of the book 1984 by george orwell do you know what that uh, book is yeah it was in news for a lot of time in india i am sorry that i didn't read it but it talked about a lot of things that were happening in current uh indian scenario and i was like i would read it so can you tell me about anything well it's been years since i actually read it but essentially what it was talking about was essentially exactly what you were just saying which was the uh the power the powers that be basically even invented a new language they didn't even invent not just restrictive press but they invented a new language so they invented a new way of thinking to stay in power and when you were talking about what was going on in india that's almost what i envisioned was kind of like 1984 in in real life um you know and I mean, we have press issues in the U.S., but I wouldn't say it's anything like what you have. At least it doesn't seem to me to be that way because, yeah, we have corporate control of the media and, you know, we just had a, a recent demonstration of how the media basically was content to let the presidential administration Basically, they were content to let him do his thing because when it became obvious that he wasn't going to be the president anymore, they then they started to be more critical of him for the first time really in, in years. And it was just sort of shocking to see. Uh, I, shocking isn't the right word. Uh, startling or whatever. But... Um, you know, the the relationship between big business and the media and the relationship they have with the government is, I guess, a delicate dance. <laughs> and I guess we people are, are kind of caught in the middle of it all over the world. Um, can you tell me about the uh, Indian system of government? Uh yeah, sure, Benjamin. But before saying that, I want to uh, add two things. Uh, what you were saying in your answer was that, uh, yes, true. 1984, what was mentioned in 1984, as you said, is that they introduced a new language. They changed nothing, but they introduced a new language that somehow favored the people who were in power. And that is very true, what is happening uh, today. Now, uh, something uh, else was that when we talk about America, America is a capitalist country and for people living in the U.S., it is mostly like 
the corporate houses control a lot sometimes even more the politicians uh, i could say that one similar thing that is happening on a global platform is that global leaders of similar mindset are rising they who are very much favored on the side of corporates uh, who are doing a lot to make help them make profit the similar thing happened in brazil with bolsonaro the similar thing was happening when donald trump was running america the similar thing happening in india and that is concerning global citizens when they are looking to these specific countries because they are really powerful countries they are in different geographical zones of the world and they are dominant countries who can influence world politics now when we talk about what happened in us elections 2020 that somehow encouraged people who are uh, critical of the governments noam chomsky was like i am sure he would be very happy uh, after seeing the election so stuffs like that and now coming back to your questions that how the political structure of india is so it is a democratic country and i'm proud to say that over these 74 75 years india successfully performed all the duties of being a democratic country we are 1.32 billion in population a huge number still we manage to call all the voters they vote and we elect a government sometimes it is a stable government and a lot of time it is not so uh, it is a system of federal government and state government where some powers are uh, on the federal government side and some are state government side uh, what the federal government controls is that of national security national finance and all the national uh, laws whereas the state government controls a lot personal laws like what will happen in cities what will happen for the state and stuffs like that does the state government have what you would call i guess broad police powers where they worry about people's physical safety or is that more the federal level no it's more state level Do you know if they copied that from the United States? First of all, how did India become a democracy? Was that um that was Gandhi and Nehru, correct? Or did I get that part wrong? No, you are absolutely true. Uh Gandhi and Nehru became the face of Indian independence movement whereas there were a lot of individuals who sacrificed their lives and uh just to name a few i want to uh, mention my personal favorite mr subhash chandra bose who somehow forced britishers to understand the fact that the indian people are not just protesting from inside the country but as well as from outside the country because he ran escaped india uh exactly like you see in a crime suspense thriller he escaped india he went to germany he went to myanmar and a lot of japan and a lot of countries and gathered support from these countries in charge of a little army to fight britishers so it was a great uh, 
contribution for Indian independence movement. We got independent in 1947. Before that, we have a 200 years long slavery of Britishers. So it was like they looted us a lot. They uh, burnt all our scriptures that had knowledge, all the books that we had, all the uh, inventions that we have. They looted us on terms of monetary terms. We were a very rich country earlier. In ancient time, India was known as golden bird so they looted all the gold and all the minerals that we had so it was like 200 years living in hell and yet here we are speaking english <laughs> i mean that's it's odd to me yeah <laughs> that english is the world language essentially and that's because of the British Empire as much as, well, I mean, as much as America, uh, the U.S. basically coming out, being one of the major winners of World War II, it's also because of the British Empire, hmm. um, I would say. But, um, yeah, it's, I don't know, the England certainly does have a complex and fraught relationship all over the world. Uh, because of its, you know, globalization and its empire. As as, as Benjamin, the whole uh, motto of the conversation that we are having is that to exchange knowledge and to become a better part of ourselves after we end the conversation. I went to mention Dr. Shashi Tharoor. He is an Indian politician and before becoming a politician, he worked for United Nations as on the post of some really senior post. So he went to Oxford University. There he delivered a lecture on how the colonization of Britishers around the world and India was a big no. And like, because Britishers and the English people boast a lot about this, that they, uh, when the industrialization happened in their country, they moved to different parts of the world and they somehow delivered the technology there and this was a great uh, work that they did but he completely destroyed Britishers on all this that how they looted not just India but the whole world so just type Dr. Shashi Tharoor Oxford University lecture or a speech and have a watch on it yeah colonization is not new and it's not, I mean, it has a fraught, you know, history all over the world. I mean, I've studied, when I was taking my master's and even before that, I'd studied colonization all over the world. And I think in this country, we're we're dealing with some of our, the legacy of some of our own colonization. And I think a lot of people in this country would rather we ignore it. But, you know, I, I say you're going to ignore that at your peril, basically, because, you know, I mean, you have to know, you have to learn what you did in the world or what was done in your name. Maybe you didn't do it, but it's being done in your name. Yeah, we have you know. to study history so that we don't repeat it. And exactly. Um, you know, there's a famous quote, History doesn't always repeat, but it rhymes. And that quote has been attributed to all sorts of thinkers. 
and you know but um so is there anything you'd like to say into the internet before we uh wrap this up so there is always internet is like a double blade sword because it can hurt you both ways so you have to use it wisely in terms of how rapidly it's changing we could just hope for the best and being a journalist i say that people don't get scared of using it because we can if we are using it wisely we can contribute to the world a lot we can uh, make a great difference because a guy like me who is who is sitting in a very small part of india is doing a conversation on world politics with naum chomsky that is a great thing that the technology and the internet offered us so that is something very should be used very precisely and that is it yeah yeah this this as as remarkable as the internet is it's also not really a toy even though it's conceived of as a toy all right well uh with that in mind uh if you wouldn't mind staying on the line for just a second longer i'd like to say to everybody i'm having a great day and i hope you are too and um thank you thank you very much <laughs>